everyone, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 45 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media. We are at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I and our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. On this episode, get your kicks on Route 66. We're going to take you on a journey from Chicago to L.A. I can't. What? What's so funny? That was, that was so poetic. Wasn't it though? It's Very. almost as if it's like a song lyric or something. It's almost as if Chuck Berry <laughs> just entered the room and is guest hosting today's podcast. We have we have traveled nearly every bit of Route 66, save for a bit between Joplin, Missouri and parts of Oklahoma. We can tell you the best casinos <laughs> <laughs> along Route 66. So we're going to we're going to give you we've we've talked about a lot of the places on Route 66 already in the last several weeks. So what we're going to do is sort of give you a general idea of some of the things you need to know before taking a overall Route 66 journey. You know what I love about this, too, is much like the Great River Road trip that we did. We sort of fell into this. We were not planning to get our kicks on Route 66. And all of a sudden, we kind of realized that that was the path we were on. And we thought, all right, well, let's just keep doing this then. I guess it's working. (laughs) So we're going to tell you some of the things that you can do to plan since we didn't do any planning. No, we didn't. (laughs) Shocker. I know. And then we're going to go into detail about one of the destinations on Route 66 that we've spent a decent amount of time in recently. Oklahoma City, which is a really surprisingly cool city. Surprise alert, Oklahoma is very, very cool. Not that Oklahoma wasn't cool to begin with. It really wasn't on our radar. Was not on our radar. And thankfully, family pulled us there. And wow, Oklahoma, I miss you. I kind of can't wait to go back. (laughs) But first, this episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel Connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And we can say that you're probably going to find a Boondockers Welcome host along Route 66. Yeah, that's actually one of my tips that I put in because there are some decent spots that we stayed on Route 66. We sure did. And you know what's great about Boondockers Welcome, too, is the affordability of it all. It's $30 for the year, not for a month, not for six months, $30 for an entire year. And then you have access to some amazing hosts who just want to open up the land that they have in their home, be it a driveway or perhaps some space in their on their farm, in their backyard. $30 a year gets you access to Boondockers Welcome and RV Miles listeners get an extra 10% off with the code RV Miles at boondockerswelcome.com. That's all one word, RV Miles. We we even had somebody along Route 66 who 
brought us food. Like she had leftover spaghetti. It was and she so said, good. I have spaghetti for the kids if you want some spaghetti. She brings out these plates with like garlic bread and there's like chicken and sausage in the spaghetti. Bacon in the spaghetti <laughs> changed my life. She was so kind. We thoroughly enjoyed spending an evening on her land. $30 a year, 10% off RV miles code at boondockerswelcome.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. So before we get to Route 66, let's talk about some news items we have. And we have a lot this week. We do. We have some RV miles. Let's toot our own horn news. We do. We uh, we got a, a review on a podcast show a podcast review show called The Podcast Review Show. So creative. <laughs> and it's a really good review show of podcasts. There are several hosts that sort of listen to a bunch of episodes of shows and and they give you their their thoughts. And they gave us a 4.5 star review out of five. Out of five. And had some interesting, fun things to say about us. If you want to check out that, you can. we'll link to it in the show notes. It's episode 49. And there are a couple different podcast review shows with the same title this is the podcast review show by international radio i love that it's international you know we work in an industry in theater where having your work reviewed on a regular basis is part of your job that's what you do and for me to have this reviewed and be listening to voices in ireland with these amazing accents was probably the best review of my work I've I've ever read or listened to. It was <laughs> so much fun. And I would have appreciated even if it wasn't a stellar review, because anytime you have an opportunity to have people talk about your work and give constructive feedback, there's a difference. This is constructive feedback. It can only make you better. So I was very thankful that they took RV miles on, even though I think they meant to do America's National Parks podcast. Yeah, they, they, they had a little <laughs> goof up and then they ended up doing this show instead, which is totally fine. Absolutely <laughs> fine. So we do thank them for taking the time to listen and for sharing their thoughts with us. In news that doesn't involve us, Gander Outdoors, you may remember, we've talked about this several times. Gander Mountain closed down, went bankrupt a year or two ago. Camping World Industries took them over and is re opening most of them as Gander Outdoors stores and uh, uh, 60 locations, I think. Well, CEO Marcus Limonis of Camping World Holdings said he plans to open some version of Camping World at each Gander Outdoors location. Yeah, he essentially said they're going to be selling RVs. They're going to be selling RVs. It might not be a full Camping World store because a lot of these retail locations are, are not in a place where they've got the land to do that, but some of them will be full camping worlds. And the Gander Outdoor stores are all going to start to carry RV-related products. I have mixed feelings about this. The article was based around the fact that he was coming out and saying that they admit to not doing a very good job rolling out these new purchases and explaining to the public exactly what they were going to be doing with them because I do think a lot of people thought Gander Mountain, Gander Outdoor, it's going to be the exact same kind of setup just under a new name with new ownership where what it seems to be Camping World is now saying is we are purchasing these products, these businesses, and essentially we want in the market in that area 
to start selling RVs. Yeah. So there's going to be, you know, 50% more camping world stores. Now, I think what would be really cool, and maybe this is along the lines of what some of the stores will be. I think what would be really neat is if some of these Gander Outdoor stores, instead of having a giant dealership lot, have five or six new RVs there that you can go through and get a more heightened experience than walking around a lot and pre-order and that sort of thing. I think that could be interesting. I do too. And I fully admit that Gander Mountain was one of my favorite sort of niche retail stores for the outdoor. And so I was kind of hoping and that it was going to be the exact same thing just with a new name. And yeah. it's not. No, but they yeah. are, but they, but they do have this idea. Why is RV recreational vehicle stuff separate from outdoor stuff? One of the things he said was most people are getting in their RVs, they're driving them somewhere and then they're spending five or six days hunting, fishing, biking, exploring. So why aren't we selling those same things in the same location? I just think that some of the things I liked about Gander Mountain that I equate with places like Active Endeavors is not going to exist anymore. And so for me, it's just, I think it's going to become more of, you know, a camping world experience is, is nice. We always go in there and it's like, we want to buy a thousand things for Wanderbus, but I don't ever really see a thousand things I want to buy for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, and I don't know that it's going to be that, though. You know, I think it's going to be an aisle or two of RV stuff inside an outdoor store. And then you've got a camping world lot essentially yeah. next door is what it sounds like. But they're not giving us details yet. So no, it'll be we'll what it'll be. Out. And I'll just have to go to Active Endeavors or REI or Columbia or North Face. Or any of the other places you can go to buy the stuff I want to buy. The United States government is uh, issuing tariffs left and right. And uh, the RV industry has been warning about these for a while. There have been tariffs that are affecting the solar industry. If you're wanting to get solar panels on your RV, they've shot up in price. Thor, the largest manufacturer of RVs, is warning that their prices are going to go up. Because steel and aluminum are costing them more than 30% more. Well, because Thor was so affordable to begin with. Well, Thor, or, I mean, they, they have, you know, they, they are. No shade to Thor. I'm just saying like. Well, but they're like half Airstream's the brands already. out there, you know. I mean, they've got Airstream, but they also, they also have some lower end brands too. Yeah, but so, we're talking, when you're talking steel, are they not specifically saying, listen, Airstream's are about to get more expensive. I think that's part of it, but you've also got the chassis, you know, is is getting more expensive for them to order on on all of their trailers. So, not only are prices projected to go up on RVs, stock for RV companies has dropped over the last week or two. Uh Thor's stock has dropped 7.5%, I think. So, we'll see how all this tariff business shakes down. Uh but it, it it will be detrimental to RV manufacturing and I assume other manufacturing industries as well. But by not- now, if you haven't bought already <laughs> or by used. I also wanted to mention this week, uh, there's an interesting article from CNBC following a, a digital nomad like us. 
travels the country. And, Why don't they come follow and works us? On, well, actually, this person doesn't work online. Uh, they are they travel the country and dog walk through the Rover app. That is the most amazing job she, ever. She says I want she it. makes she says she makes a thousand dollars a week. Jason walking dogs traveling the country. When we're done with this podcast, and I'm not joking, <laughs> when we are done with this podcast, I am going to go look that up because I love the idea. I love dogs. I don't particularly want a dog. Yeah, you just want to. Walk them and clean up their poop. I don't care about that. All right. It doesn't bother me. I've been wiping a child's bottom for the last decade. We've had <laughs> for the last decade. We've been changing diapers. If you are a full timer or or you're looking for income when you're out on the road, uh, Rover is the name of the app. Cute, you know, play on words. I know. There. I might actually be downloading it right and, now as we're doing uh, this. But there is a a bit of a strenuous application process. They do a background check. They want you to have references and that sort of stuff. But could be a, a cool source of income for, for a lot of people out there looking to do this. Final piece of news is we have updated our RV show schedule on the website. This has quickly become our most popular article on the RV Miles website. People are really interested to know when the next RV show in their town is. And we have gone through, when I say we, Abby has gone through. Thank you. The... Uh, every single website she can find and updated our schedule to add all the 2019 dates that are available right now. I was surprised how many shows have already announced their 2019 dates and not just the ones happening in January, but I'm talking into the spring 2019 dates. Like their shows just ended maybe a month or so ago and they're already planning for 2019 and have announced the dates. There's a lot going on and some of the bigger shows have already announced. So if that's really important to you and you want to hit up one of these big shows, definitely go check out that article, you know. Yeah, if you want to go to like the Hershey show, which is pretty much the biggest show in the country. I think Hershey is actually getting ready to happen. Yeah. It happens in the fall. You need to you need to schedule your campground. Yeah. At places like that because everybody goes because that's where all the fun is and and a lot of people go to there to buy new RVs. But the big Florida RV show, mm -hmm. they've got their dates. There's a lot going on in that article. And I would say to anyone listening, if you don't see or know of an RV show that is happening, because it is, you know, clearly it's very difficult sometimes to find some of the smaller shows. So if you know of one that is going on, I would love to know about it so I can add it to the list. Editor at RVMiles.com and I'll make sure it gets put up on there. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, Route 66. My Rover dog walking app just finished downloading, by the way. Good for you. Be right back. Okay, we are back and we have, before we get into Route 66, the answer to last week's brain teaser. Everyone has been waiting all week long. This is the moment. <laughs> goes like this. A guy was writing his first book. After saving the document, he locked his laptop with a password and mentioned some phrases for the hint box. You know, you get that little hint box that gives you what your password is about. I do. It has saved me a few times. <laughs> Later, a friend of his tries opening the laptop but finds out it's password protected. 
Following is the hint that appeared. One mobile. Three books. Two roars. One night. Four balls. Two lighters. One ghost. One hat. Three watches. It seemed awkward to him. Can you help him crack the password? And it was actually very, fairly simple if you figured it out. The answer lies in the hint. You have to take the corresponding number to the letter of each word. So the first in mobile is M, the third in books is O, and so on. And then the password was Moonlight. I think I said this last week, but I really want to know what computer he's working off of where he gets <laughs> Because that's a lot of room to hint. I know. That's either a really old computer or we're looking at something from the future. <laughs> and our winner this week is Lisa Anderson from New Jersey. New Jersey. I want to go to New Jersey. We have friends in New Jersey. Lisa will get uh, Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. And we will have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. Look, I don't want to talk too much about New Jersey, but I'm going to say one more thing before we move on. Someone also showed us pictures in our RV Miles travel forum of a pizza place in New Jersey that they were at, and they were encouraging us to come because they know we love pizza, and that pizza looked really good. You guys get us. You they get us <laughs> so much. We had pizza for breakfast yesterday. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I, I won't keep pizza for breakfast this morning. <laughs> Okay, Jason. Two days in a row. Okay, maybe you shouldn't have shared that. That might have been too much. That's that's a little too much exposure as to how much pizza we consume. It really should just be its own food group. Maybe that's a topic for another podcast. All right, let's talk Route 66. As we said before, we've done most of Route 66 now. We did not do it all in one drive. We've spent time in the past on this sort of Illinois-Missouri section and Recently, we just did the L.A. to Oklahoma City and a little bit beyond in Oklahoma section. And we've missed out a little section between Joplin and Missouri and Oklahoma City. And it's a cool road trip. I'm going to say this right off the bat. It's not for everybody. And it, it takes some planning. It is necessary. If you want to get the you want to get the best out of it you want to be able to even follow the route really if you want to be on the actual road and not along a highway that's running (laughs) parallel to the road then it it will take a little planning for me route 66 has always just sort of been this thing that i didn't really put a lot of stock into not because i thought it was silly or had heard things about it but as someone who has lived in chicago for so long that's the end or the beginning, or the depending beginning. It, depending on how you want to look at it. I call it the beginning. Yes. And I actually worked in the building that had the sign, Route 66, begins here, right next to it for four years. It begins and right downtown Chicago, Adams and Michigan Avenue, mm-hmm. in front of the Art Institute there. It's such a great, it should be the beginning, it shouldn't be the end. It is such a great place to start. It's, it's just, not the greatest place to start not in an RV. In an RV. <laughs> I No, but if to me, in my mind, I think Route 66 and I often think motorcycles, right? Yeah. To me, if I was on a motorcycle, that would be the coolest place to start right there. Art Institute, downtown yeah. Chicago, amazing views. Let's do this. And so, then it gets a little, a little yeah. crazy. <laughs> For me, Route 66 is not about the road. It is about the spots on the road. Mm -hmm. So the beginning 
of the trip is about visiting Chicago, not just that spot in Chicago. Visiting the end of Route 66 is not about the Santa Monica Pier. It's about L.A. Yeah. You know, and there are many little different things you can offshoot. Now, the road itself, where it still exists, can be really cool. And a lot of it can be about the sort of roadside attractions, the giant weird statues, the grungy rundown ancient motels and the fun and soda shops stations the one we shops. went to yep yeah. and i don't know a whole lot of information about this so i'm just going to drop this info bomb and step away but there is something going on now in congress to have route 66 become a national historical roadway so what is the I'm i think sorry, trail trail yeah so there i think it has passed the house and is now moving into the Senate, which I think is a really great idea because I think that will offer some much needed infrastructure love to yeah. the road. And there there are a lot of National Park Service destinations mm-hmm. on the route, which, of course, were our favorite things. So you can travel Route 66 looking for historic sites and National Park Service sites. You can travel Route 66 looking for that sort of 50s memorabilia feel. You can travel it to see the cars. You can I mean, travel that's... it to look for Radiator Springs <laughs> and try to find Lightning McQueen, as our children do. <laughs> One of my favorite things, though, is seeing the other people on Route 66, especially through some of those sections in Arizona, to see all the classic cars, especially on the weekend. Like, you really want to hit some of these segments on the weekend, in Arizona, because you're just going to see just tons and tons of really beautiful classic cars. You can just sit by the road and watch them. If we can, we should try to link in the show notes to the video that we took when we were driving in Wanderbus. If we can't, pop over to Our Wandering Family's Facebook page, and we have a video up of us driving bussy down Route 66 and passing through what looked to be like a, a classic car meetup at an old bar along the route and the cars are incredible in all different styles, not just classic, but just all different styles, motorcycles. There were RVs. And what's so funny about the video is that we were the novelty. I know (laughs) everyone was staring at the giant school bus that (laughs) didn't look like a school bus as we were driving past. One of the reasons why I, I say that you need to plan is your GPS isn't going to tell you to take, you know, all of Route 66. It's going to make you skip the portions. It's going to make you stay on the highway because it's giving you the fastest route. So you really need a guide to tell you where to go. Because what happened is Route 66, for the most part, has been replaced with highway. I-55 through Illinois, I-40 from, you know, Oklahoma City all the way across into California. And segments of the road along those routes still exist, but mainly they're business routes through town. So you often get off on one exit from the interstate, travel the business loop, and get back on at the next entrance. Which I think is why it can feel a little intimidating or exhausting if you are in an RV. Yeah, because you are having to drive through towns, downtowns as well, depending on the size of your depending. Yeah. You know, 
for us, sometimes it was a little exhausting with Wanderbus to get off the highway and drive through a small little downtown. I think the best thing to do is have this sort of mix of surprise and adventure and exploring, jumping off of the, the highway at different locations without knowing what you're getting into, but also having a plan in place so you know you don't miss the things you want to you want to hit. And some of these guidebooks are going to tell you, you know, you can skip this section or this section is going to require you to get off, but there's no place to get back on. So you have to turn around, that sort of thing. So you really need to kind of have an idea of that. And I will also say the signage is not very good through most of the route, depending on the state, uh, because it's it's all state based to tell you where the original road was and and where it is now. It can be frustrating to follow. Oklahoma was my favorite stretch of Route 66 because they really do pay homage to that road. We stopped at a couple rest stops that were dedicated to Route 66. It was very clear by the signage to know where we were going. And they did really seem, especially when we were in Oklahoma City, to celebrate that as part of the city's attractions. Yeah, Oklahoma is actually has 400 miles of Route 66 it's the longest drivable stretch there is of it. Oklahoma needs something going for it because they don't get a lot of national park love. So they have really embraced Route 66 for tourism there. Yeah. So the road starts, as we said, in Chicago. You can go through Illinois. I'm just going to name off some of the stops in, in some of the different places. And you can refer back to some of our past episodes to some of the places on this list that we that we've hit. So from Chicago, you know, you can explore Chicago. And I think one of the most important things for an RVer is to have the ability to explore some of these big towns in some sort of vehicle, if if that's what you're interested in, if you're interested in these cities. You know, I think it's worth it to spend a good week in Chicago and explore. Yeah, and we should make sure to link to our Camping in Chicago mm-hmm. article to give some ideas of places you could stay because it is possible to camp and be close enough to the city that you can get some really good exploring in. The road takes you down Interstate 55 through Illinois, and you go through Springfield, which is the state capital, but is also home to a lot of Lincoln-centered sites. And then it takes you towards St. Louis. But before you hit St. Louis, there is the Cahokia Mounds on the Illinois side, which are really spectacular and not to be missed. St. Louis follows when you get into Missouri. We've talked endlessly about how much we love St. Louis and how many great free family things there are to do there. There's a lot of free adult things to do there as well. You know, you can do the Anheuser-Busch Brewery Tour. But one of the classic Route 66 destinations is just outside of St. Louis. It's the Merrimack Caverns. And I've been going to the Merrimack Caverns since I was a little kid. It, it's a it's a cool cavern to visit. And I think really the stops in Missouri are pretty much all caverns along yeah, Route 66. We have a lot of caverns It's sort of the first time. <laughs> it's the first time along the road where you really get the all the big giant roadside signs like don't miss Merrimack Caverns. It's only 300 miles away. And then every mile there's another sign. Yeah. You just missed it. Turn back. You know, that sort of stuff. Why are you leaving? You haven't gone to the caverns yet. <laughs> And Merrimack is it's it's really kitschy, but we it's should, also beautiful caves with really cool formations. We should say it's a privately owned. It is cave it's too. privately owned. And I think I mentioned this on our St. Louis episode, but 
when we went there recently, the spiel that the that the tour guides give you was the exact same as I remembered it from when I was a kid. And when I told my mom about that, she said it's the exact it was the exact same when she took me as she remembered it when she was a kid because she's her family's originally from the St. Louis area. Some things are just so good. <laughs> they do not need to be reworked. And you know, that that introduction to the cave is clearly just tourist gold. You can continue on through Missouri. You can also hit Fantastic Caverns on the other end of Missouri, which is a we have not done this, but we've seen a billion signs for it again. It is a drive through cavern where you get in these Jeeps, these like open Jeeps, and they drive you through the caverns. Yes, I did this as a child. Oh, you did it. I have done it as a child. The thing is, is you cannot get within a 300 mile radius of Branson without knowing. In fact, we can drive down 71 here right by Belton. And there's a sign because seven, it's nowhere near here. 71. <laughs> 71 is a direct access. We're in Kansas City We're right in Kansas now. City. 71 is direct access highway to Branson. You can hop on 71 South here and you're still good several hundred miles and you're going to start getting fantastic caverns. Come to fantastic <laughs> caverns. You have to see it. I would love to see the marketing budget for privately owned caverns. Yeah. They have the billboard market locked in. Well, what's interesting along Route 66, too, though, is sometimes sometimes all these billboards are for a place like that. Right. But then sometimes in some places you'll see tons of billboards and and I mean tons. I mean, they're like every 15 feet and they're massive for, you know, for a Route 66 like shop mm-hmm. where you can go get memorabilia and stuff. And finally, that you just give in because like <laughs> they're really pushing on you like, oh, this place must be really cool. And you get there and it is a gas station with a gift shop. Yeah. Every <laughs> time it's a gas station with a gift shop. The billboards are bigger than the actual visitor center. They definitely have more square footage of, of billboard. And you just keep thinking, if you took some of that money and put it into your gift shop, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> anyway, uh, from Missouri, there is a tiny little stretch of Route 66 that goes through Kansas, only 14 miles at the southeastern corner. Before you get into Oklahoma. and Kansas is always trying to take Missouri's thunder. <laughs> Longstanding rivalry. Mocan. In Oklahoma, you can go through Tulsa and you can go through Oklahoma City. And we're going to talk about Oklahoma City in detail in the next segment. And like I said, it is the longest section of, of Route 66 is through Oklahoma. And they will let you know it. Then you go through the Texas Panhandle along I-40. It's mostly business route offshoots from here. And it smells really interesting there, on this section of Route 66. There are a lot of uh, cattle, cattle ranches. Ranch, yes. They're not ranches. They're, no, they're cattle processing plants sense, yes, type yes. places where they're all just gathered by the side of the road. And, uh, and there's quite the smell. If it is difficult for you to put together, if you're a meat eater, to put together the animal with the piece of meat on your plate you might want to think about rerouting yourself through this particular yeah. section because it can make it a little bit difficult to eat that cheeseburger the next day <laughs> at the diner on route 66 and i have a feeling i'm just gonna say it now i have a feeling i've probably said route and root throughout this entire podcast and i'm gonna go ahead and own that because i cannot decide which way to say it. And we have had conversations about this. Yeah. 
Us well, poor Midwesterners, thing. we just don't know which way to go. I always say route, except for Route 66. I know. Like route is the way I pronounce it. But for, for some reason, Route 66 doesn't sound right to me with route. I don't know. Somewhere I have a voice teacher that is losing his or her mind right now because I am not. Well, your accent's all mixed up anyway. <laughs> I Apparently it is. <laughs> You're from. I am from northern Minnesota. <laughs> and then the next minute I'm from the valley in California. And then you're to, from the south. Yes. But... <laughs> I have. I've heard it all. Thank you, everyone, <laughs> for reminding me that my accent is all over the place. In the Texas Panhandle. You can visit Cadillac Ranch, which is one of these sort of famous Route 66 stops. It, there are Cadillacs stuck in the ground, trunk end up. And uh, it's an art installation that you get to interact with because you can spray paint them. And we missed it. In we, fact, we saw we, it. We drove past it and we said, yeah. oh, there it is. And then we said, oh, not really convenient to turn around. I anywhere. mean, it's just 10 Cadillacs stuck in the ground. But the kids would have loved it. They, I would have loved would, it. I would have had a lot of fun there. It's an well. iconic mm-hmm. stop. And we didn't do it. Yeah. Because we couldn't find anywhere to turn around. The interesting thing is that they're they're in the ground at an angle. And I didn't I've never known this until I put the until I put the notes together for the show. Is they are in the same angle as the slope of the Great Pyramid at Giza. Makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Cadillacs, Clearly. pyramids and Giza, you know. From the Texas Panhandle, you head into Me- to New Mexico, and obviously we love New Mexico, and you can go through a whole bunch of our episodes to learn about all the things we love in New Mexico, but particularly Route 66 on I-40 here goes through Albuquerque, just and goes right downtown Albuquerque, yeah. right through the middle of it, right past Petroglyphs National Monument. But you should, if you do travel Route 66, take, take the journey up to Santa Fe. It's only an hour drive off. And Santa Fe is a wonderful town, of course. So from New Mexico, you head into Arizona. And when you enter Arizona, you're getting to some of really those classic Southwest destinations. Particularly, you start out in the Painted Desert and Petrified Forest National Park, which Route 66 cuts right through. And as we mentioned on the episode where we talked about Petrified Forest, it is sort of like north and south vertical park it is very very tall park and what you can do is get off of i-40 or route 66 and drive south through the park and then you connect with another little highway that takes you back up to i-40 so you don't have to sort of backtrack it's really well laid out from there you end up going through flagstaff and at flagstaff is a spot to make the choice whether or not you want to take the hour drive from there north to the Grand Canyon. I don't think anybody should ever miss the Grand Canyon, but, you know, we drove right past it. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Don't you dare look at me like that. You just threw me some serious side eye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We needed to get to a destination. We did not. We did not. But anyone listening should hopefully be able to build in the time. (laughs) And we will build in the time someday. And then you head down towards the California border and into California, where you can, you know, go into San Bernardino, where we went up into the San Bernardino Mountains, if you really want to drive an RV up there. It was beautiful. I'm still traumatized. (laughs) Let's not talk about it, please. And then it ends, the, the route ends at the Santa Monica Pier, of course, the famous destination. And, uh. You know, I'll say, though, that there's not a lot in California before you get to San Bernardino. 
No. Mm-mm. Outside of the uh, fruit stop where they're going to checkpoint, I guess I should call it, where they're going to ask you. The if agricultural got... checkpoint. <laughs> yes. I just call it the fruit stop. The fruit stop. Where you have to stop and they have to ask you, do you have any fruit on board? And if you do, what do you have? So there's a lot to see along Route 66 for lots of different types of people. If you want to visit cities, you can you know, visit Chicago, St. Louis, Oklahoma City, Albuquerque, L.A. If you're interested in national parks, there's all kinds of national park stuff. If you're interested in sort of the Route 66 kitsch, that's all there, too. I think a lot of that for me was some of the disappointing stuff. There are some places like particularly through Illinois, there are a lot of those old vintage gas stations that are restored Mm -hmm. and and beautiful. And there are a lot of diners that are really awesome. But a lot of, you know, the motels and and some of the diners and stuff, they've all closed down years ago. And some of the souvenir stands and, and what you have left is graffiti covered vintage, you know, teepees and and other sort of racist Indian paraphernalia <laughs> in a lot of the I mean, spots, unless they were owned by Indians, which, you know, in that case, around. not racist. Talk about art imitating life, art in the form of a Disney movie. But Cars is so that whole section where Sally talks about the glory days of Radiator Springs and, and what it used to be and then what it has become is exactly and obviously it was modeled off of route 66 but it's spot on but it's spot on and i think it would be great if this became a historic trail because perhaps we would see some of that renewed glory from the the when it was the road that you traveled yeah i think it's it is still popular thing for people to do but it's different now. But it's different, it's, and and people people skip towns, even yeah. though the interstate goes through most of the route. People are going faster; they're not driving through the middle of these towns well, anymore. No one's. It's not a stroll. No one's yeah. stopping in the towns, and all of the towns are stopping at the major stopping points. It's sort of how I feel about Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Yeah, it's become a highway. It's become a highway. It was designed to be the Sunday stroll. It was designed to be the road you got on and it stretches all of this beautiful stretch of Lake Michigan, takes you up to the North Shore and down into the South. And that's what you did on Sundays. And you got in your car and it was just a 25, 30 mile an hour stroll. And now, and us included, now it's the major connecting way between one point in the city to the other point and everyone's doing even though you're only supposed to do 45, yeah, it's, you know, 55, 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And that's how I feel a little bit about this. Like we're, we're missing so much of what it was intended to be because we're just trying to get from one point to the other. That said, there is so much, you know, if you haven't traveled that direction, you're going to go through so many different types of landscapes from Illinois down to California you know, and through the Southwest, you're going to just see all sorts of different stuff. There are all these cities to stop at there. There are all these sort of weird kitschy things to do. There's all kinds of great food. So it is a, it's a really cool trip. Like I said, again, you want to plan it out. So to plan it out, you do really want to get a guidebook or some sort of route 66 map. A guidebook would be best. 
because they're going to tell you when to get off, when to get on, where you can get off, where you can't get on, that sort of stuff. Spring and fall are ideal times to go. If you go in the summer, you're going to be dealing with 100 degree plus heat in Arizona. If you go in the winter, you're going to be dealing with freezing temps and ice from Oklahoma on north. Even in Arizona, I mean, you're going to be up in Flagstaff. That's pretty high up. I think the shortest amount of time you could do Route 66 and really just just start to enjoy it is one week. I certainly think it's best if you go a little bit longer. There are lots of places to stay. You know, it was built and billed as this sort of classic road trip. You go stay at, you know, roadside motels. And a lot of those are restored to their former glory and a lot of them don't exist anymore. So it is a a route that taking a car was sort of the intended way. And it's not that an RV is a bad way to do it, but it's not the classic way to do it. But there are still campgrounds. There aren't as many campgrounds as you might think right along the route though, but there are some good options particularly like we mentioned casinos before yeah we stayed at two casinos a lot of the the there there are a lot of casinos along the route and a lot of them allow overnight parking and a lot of them give you a little bit like a lot of these casinos that you can stop at you can sign up for like their player club and they give you like you know fifty dollars worth of playing cash just for signing up for their player club so you can like if you're interested in gambling you could do that at all these different casinos. City parks are another good option. There are a lot of city parks, especially along Route 66 in Oklahoma, and some of them very affordable. We even stayed at a free one with electricity, believe it or not. Yeah, wrap your head wrap your head around that one. <laughs> but then there's another one that's, I guess, $12 a night uh, that's just west of Oklahoma City that has electricity and has a pool, which... I mean, we should have paid the 12 bucks. Yeah, we should have. It was, it was hot. hot. And then you know, there are a bunch of state parks along the route as well. And then, of course, you can use your Boondockers Welcome membership. Yes, you can. Yeah. So that's sort of our overview of Route 66. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all the really fun things that you can do in Oklahoma City. I promise it's a really awesome town. I don't know why I feel like I need to say that. Yeah, let's not set that up anymore. Oklahoma stands on its own. It it's is, got its own two legs. I had no idea, though. I know. I mean... This is not a fly-through city. This I is a no, stop I didn't enjoy. even know it was this big, to be honest. Look, but you learn something new every there day. Is, I, mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'll say Oklahoma City is one of, like, my three or four favorite cities in the country now. Seriously. That is an, that's a strong statement. I look forward to hearing you recap your time there. Because clearly, I had a great time, but we were clearly on two different vacations. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, Oklahoma City. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. I'm going to throw it out there. I can't go through an entire podcast without trying to reference at least one musical. Sometimes it's really subtle the way I throw it in there. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. 
we had a great time in Oklahoma City. We can't really talk about RVing in Oklahoma City because we actually did put the RV in uh, a driveway and stayed in a house. Barely, (laughs) barely put it into a driveway. Many, many things. Before we even get this started, I just want to say thank you to my brother and my soon-to-be sister-in-law for making Oklahoma City such an epic three-week adventure for us. They encouraged us to let our children stay up till two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) One night, (laughs) they put Bussy in their driveway. They took us playing laser tag. We played laser tag. I love laser tag. I want to do that again. They were great. They were great hosts, and they really wanted us to have a wonderful time and be comfortable in the home that they had set up for us to stay in. It was great. So you know what Oklahoma City reminded me a lot of? Kansas City? No, it reminded me a lot of Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can I get guess, on board I with that. I guess Kansas City's somewhat in the same vein. There's something about, I think, you know, what might have used to have been a sort of working class town, uh, sort of no frills, you know, type place. I think there's an active intent to to become a bustling metropolis to become a destination to be a place where people want to hang out so you see a lot of stuff being built around that i have to say i think if in your mind and there is absolutely nothing wrong with this being how you would associate oklahoma city but if you were to associate it with farming and oil things that feel very industrial or uh, very rural. Oklahoma has, I think, in a way embraced that, but then also tried to bring itself into a more modern sensibility with all these different boroughs, the Paseo Arts District, you know, the Plaza, Bricktown, even the even getting that Olympic Training Center built there in Oklahoma, I think has really kind of changed the outlook of how you see the city. And that's really cool to me that they have been able to sort of bring the modern with what Oklahoma was, what Oklahoma stands for, to marry those two together and celebrate them both within that city. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, and we'll get to the Olympic Training Center in a minute. But first, let's say Oklahoma City is a foodie town. So much good food. There's, I mean, you open that TripAdvisor app, which is is sort of our go-to for finding food because you can see, you know, what are the top rated in, in different categories and what are the top rated cheap eats? What are the top rated diner foods? There are way too many to choose from when you open up Oklahoma city. It's overwhelming. And they're all different and interesting and, and sort of fusions of all kinds of different cuisines. Fried pepperoni pizza. Just <laughs> throw that out there. Those nachos I had at fuzzy's tacos, which is a, a des- is a destination. Go to Fuzzy's, especially the one in Bricktown. Those nachos are so well-priced. They're huge. The yeah, portion was is, enormous. This is sort of one of those gourmet uh, taco places where they have all different interesting tacos that you can eat. It's also a place where you're going to wait quite a bit of time in line if you're going on the weekends. Yeah, it's a fast food destination in the way that I view Counter service. Yeah, like a Chipotle, a Panera, a McAllister's, things of that nature. 
And it's this particular one that we went to is in Bricktown. We really liked Bricktown a lot. Yeah, Bricktown is sort of, um, uh, you know, it's everything's built out of brick around there. I assume that's why it's named that way. I don't know. Captain Obvious. This sort of centerpiece of Bricktown is the the Oklahoma City Dodgers AAA baseball team. Their stadium is there. Or as Jason would say, the center is really actually the Bass Pro Outdoor World. <laughs> there is an outdoor world there as well. <laughs> that would actually be the center of Bricktown for Jason. The baseball stadium, that's just an afterthought. It was really how many times can Jason go to that outdoor world while we were there. But what's cool about Bricktown, especially lower Bricktown, I guess they call it, is they have this man-made river canal, I guess you would call it. That runs through most of it. And there's sort of two levels. There's like the street level and then there's the lower level where this canal is. And there's restaurants and shops on either level. And you can take a boat ride through this canal to go to the different places or you can just walk it as well. And there's just all kinds of cool restaurants. There's, like I said, the the stadium. At one end of it is the Bass Pro Shop. And, uh, and there's a convention center down there. So if you're in town for a convention or something, there's... There's that as well, but we really just enjoyed walking along the river and yeah, and you and I some of these restaurants. You and I had a date night there, which was very enjoyable. I think what the people really want to know, and I should just go ahead and say it, is yes, there is a Starbucks in Bricktown. <laughs> yes, that's I'm sure that's what everybody that's wants what, to know. <laughs> that's what everyone's been waiting for. You can get coffee and pizza all in one location. <laughs> done, done. It's there's, a really fun area, though. There's also a place called Brickopolis there, which is sort of like a like a Dave and Buster's type place, mm-hmm. like a video games. And and they have an outdoor mini golf that the, the canal sort of winds around and rock climbing walls and stuff like that. And the baseball stadium that's there, it's the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And I think they're a they're a minor league yeah. team. Very affordable prices. You could sit out on the lawn of the field for only eight dollars a ticket and it did seem to be really popular it seems to be that something you know oklahomians is that oklahomans oklahomans okies okies it does seem to be something it does seem to be something that okies really enjoy and like to support i'm sorry if i just if that's not what you guys like to call yourselves (laughs) if i just called you okies and you really don't like that jason suggested it yeah yeah i'll throw you under the wander bus uh, we also took uh, some time, actually just Abby and I, which was nice, to drive through the Paseo Arts District. There's a lot of art galleries there. It's a sort of small, cool little winding uh, road. But what we really loved about this area was some of the historic homes, big mansions. Beautiful. You know, from the turn of the 18th and 19th century. And uh, and we we would really love to go back through there and do some of the ones that have tours. Yeah, this is an area where I feel like we could have taken the kids and the kids, you know, we could have enjoyed it with the kids. But this to me and because it was date night, but it got started a little late. A lot of the galleries were closed. This to me is something that would just be perfect if it was you and a partner or a friend or you on your own to walk through the Paseo Art District area and then drive through the neighborhood that's just right connected to it with these beautiful artistic homes that complement the neighborhood. It's a great borough. It's also not far from Donut Hurt or Donut Hurt. Hurt's Donut. Come on. Come on. Sorry. I was thinking of the tagline. 
Oh, no, their tagline is flipped. Hurts, don't it? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. It's okay. It's okay. We'll move on. We'll get past this. <laughs> you're not going to edit that out either. Probably not. No, mm-hmm. you're not. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk about another section of Oklahoma, please. Uh, the Plaza District. We did their first Friday. They have this this thing called First Fridays. Now, I've noticed a lot of towns like this, like Kansas City, Minneapolis, Oklahoma, they have sort of a first Friday or a second Friday in, in a certain district where you go and the shops all open late. They put bands outside, that sort of thing. The Plaza District here in Oklahoma City had that and we got to see a few different bands. There were uh, fire dancers and a great ice cream shop. Yeah, all, really good. and all kinds of just you know, kitschy stores and cool galleries and theaters. I actually, I actually liked Oklahoma City's first Fridays a lot better than the first Fridays we just went to here in Kansas City last <laughs> weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one was a little, that one was a little intense. Another area that we really loved is the, right in the middle of downtown is the Myriad Gardens. What a beautiful botanical garden. It's a free botanical garden. They do have a paid area. Their sort of indoor greenhouse is a a paid area and the rest is free. I almost wish the rest was paid just because, you know, some of the people that the, the way that people treated some of it, you know, just sort of like feeding the ducks and leaving trash and stuff like that. Yeah. I get that. Um, Maybe the quality control of yeah. the space would be a little bit different if. But I also don't want to pay money to get into it. So, you know, I don't know what the trade off is. I don't know. I love botanical gardens, though. And you guys took me there for Mother's Day because we were in the area at the time. You guys know I love a botanical garden. So they took me there. I really enjoyed it. It felt very it, it brought me back a little bit to being home in Chicago, which I appreciated because we Love the Chicago Botanical Garden so very much. And that is a paid botanical garden. Costs $20 a car to get into. It's stunning. And I have some very fond, not only Mother's Day memories, but just fond memories with my little family there at the garden. So this garden, it was just a really enjoyable Sunday afternoon. I absolutely recommend it. You can be in and out probably in just a couple hours. It's not a whole day kind of It's a fairly smaller one. Yeah. But But if you choose to go in, I think it's... Seven or eight dollars a person to go yeah. into their two structured greenhouse, but they have a very cool outdoor theater. I'd like to believe they that do. they use it for theater. I don't know what they use it for. I, I imagine they use it for concert type stuff mostly, but they have an outdoor venue right in the middle of it. They also have a really cool children's play area. Yes, there that we that our boys really loved, and it is sort of garden and learning themed, but also a lot of play activities yeah. there. I just really want to believe that they do outdoor Shakespeare theater on that stage Uh because I really was ready to get some Shakespeare going on. (laughs) If, hey, Myriad Gardens, if you're listening and you ever need someone to like do some Shakespeare theater outdoor for you, give us a call. We'll put it together. (laughs) There's a river that runs along downtown Oklahoma City. And on the river, they have a, a Olympic training center for rowing and and other sort of water sports like that and what they've done is they've combined this training center with uh, a a sort of water adventure park type thing called river sports river sport or river sport 
And what River Sport has is a man-made whitewater rafting course. That just looked like so much fun. I've never seen something like that. So much fun. It was really cool. It's sort of like the raft rides at an amusement park that they have, you know, where you get in the big round raft and you go down sort of the rapids. Yeah. Here in Kansas City, we call that Fury of the Nile (laughs) at Worlds of Fun. But this is sort of more intense and you're paddling the boat with a guide or you can go down on your own in a kayak. Just looked great. They also have a, a ropes course, one of those sort of vertical. You climb up really high and go through this ropes course where you're hanging from a harness. They have a zip line that goes across the river and back. And then they have some really giant slides. And then on the weekend, they blow up these giant inflatable water slides. Yeah, it's not a cheap experience. They yeah, have... It's kind of like going to an amusement park. You're Absolutely. paying about the same thing if you want to do everything. I think if we had just done a, a basic package, they I think they have like two or three different packages. If we had done just a basic package for a family of five and that's with the with children's prices, we would have been looking at about 120, 140 for the day. Yeah. So it's one of those things that if it's something that really interests you, you do want to make it an all day event. But you can also just go and just rent a kayak and go out on the river in the kayak. You know, you can do stuff like that that's a little bit more affordable. They also have a, a cool BMX bike course and a little skate park area. So lots of really neat stuff to do. And that's kind of by that Bricktown area. Um, we went to the their Adventure District. Everything is a district in Oklahoma City. Their Adventure District is where the museums are. and we visited the Science Museum of Oklahoma, which we got into free with our Museum of Science and Industry Chicago membership with that ASTC reciprocal that a lot of museums have. This is one of the better science museums we've ever been to. Absolutely. This is up in the top for me because it invites the entire family to participate in yeah, this museum. It's not, it's not geared towards kids. It's geared towards everyone. I really haven't experienced that. I had fun. every exhibit, you know. I had fun. And I I always enjoy taking the kids to a museum. The level of enjoyment is different. Sometimes the level of enjoyment is me sitting there and drinking a coffee while the kids are playing. And it's quiet for me. Or it's what we experienced where I, you, the kids together or separate are interacting with the space. And it's uh, appropriate for the parents to want to interact and for the kids and to do it together. And that pulley system that we all did together where we were trying to lower the hook down to pick up the giant block Mm -hmm. and it needed four person cooperation to do it was it was so it was so much fun. It was so much fun to do that with my kids. And they also have Starbucks there. (laughs) It's it's just a really well done museum. And what I also loved is there wasn't an upcharge for shows. No. We, there's a planetarium there and we got to go into the planetarium, do the show and, and watch that. And there was no additional charge for that. There was another show that we missed. Science Alive, I think, yeah. or something along that line. And most museums like this that we go to, there's usually an upcharge. But I have to say, and of course, we didn't get to it till the very last part of our afternoon at the museum. There's a section right as you come in. It's called Curio City. Go there first. Yeah. Just go there first. That's the best part. It was so much fun. They have a climbing structure 
that they encourage parents to go in with their kids. I had a blast. I went down a slide. I can't remember the last time I went down like a play structure slide without having a little person in my arms because they were too (laughs) tiny, just doing it on my own. It was it was a blast. They had like a play theater, not just a theater. I mean, they had backdrops and a, a dressing room with costume areas and lighting booth and all that sort of stuff. They had they, a dance room. And so Ethan and I went into the dance room, which was next to the theater, and you could select ballet and some music from the Nutcracker came on. And then they had these images on a screen that you followed their movements we were Ethan and I, because Ethan's my little ballet guy. He and I were in there for probably 15 minutes just hitting ballet over and over and over. The whole thing is sort of set up a bit like a carnival. So it's kind of like the feeling of doing a whole lot of carnival games. Yeah, it's really so fun. the kids really enjoyed it. They had a lot of fun. And uh, it's and, a not to be missed yeah, for us. We wish we had spent more time there. To be honest, we spent an afternoon. I wish we had spent the whole day. Yeah. There also over in that area is the uh, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, which I really wanted to go to, but we didn't have the time to. Finally, the the best thing to visit, the one of the most incredibly moving experiences I've ever had, is of course visiting the the bombing memorial, the Oklahoma City bombing National Memorial site. It's. It, you know, it's an incredibly well-designed memorial, first of all. You walk in there, and they have a, a gate on either end. One uh, has the the hour and the minutes before the bombing, and one has the hour and the minute after the bombing in the area between. It's, of course, bombing in the, you know, it's supposed to represent the innocence before and then the the recovery after. And... You know, it is an appropriate place to bring your kids to as Absolutely. well. I mean, our kids, our kids were moved by it. Our kids learned from it. They have an area where kids can write and chalk and leave messages. Yeah, I want to just touch on this for a second because I think that this is something I would encourage more memorials to do. So they have a section a removed from the actual memorial space that the sidewalk is chalk and they have a bucket out for kids and they encourage kids to leave a message or write. I think it is an incredibly therapeutic way to help children express how they feel inside that space. Each one of our kids, zero prompting for uh, from us, grabbed some chalk and in in exactly the way I would imagine my 10-year-old, my 7-year-old, and my 4-year-old expressing themselves, they wrote words or pictures. And I think it helps children process what they're seeing without having mom and dad be like, how are you feeling? How does this make you feel? Yeah. Because that's a really hard thing for a child to take in and express. And we certainly shared it in ways with each one of them that we felt was age appropriate. And another thing I really liked about the space, I was like you very moved in here. What I really appreciated was the accessibility to rangers who were positioned at either end, who the minute you came into the space welcomed you and very 
very clearly let you know that they are here to talk and answer any questions you may have about the memorial. There's something about just knowing you have people there that you can go and ask these questions of who will be able to talk to you, I think, in a more emotionally removed way that also helps you process the space you're in. I just I just really appreciated this monument. It's a surprisingly it's a surprisingly peaceful place. Very. It and should be, as it should be. Yeah. You don't need a whole lot of time. Um but there is a so there it's it's the memorial itself is taken care of by the National Park Service and there are rangers there. But the museum that is attached to it is a private nonprofit. We didn't go into it. I've heard it's really nice. And, you know, you can really sort of extend your experience and and sort of interpret what happened there. We were a little concerned about taking our kids into the museum without having gone into it first ourselves. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that are worth mentioning that could be triggers for people going in there. First, you're, they have, they do play the audio of the, there was a trial going on when the bomb went off. They do play that audio. Um, you're going to see images of the aftermath. It's interesting. They have Timothy McVeigh's car in there as well. So there are things that we just decided for our children the memorial itself was enough to take in for one day. I think it was almost enough for me to take in it in one day as well. But it's just worth noting. It's a, we've heard it's a very well done, very tasteful, beautiful tribute to those who have been impacted and who were lost in this tragedy. Yeah, but it does get real in there. It gets very real. And so, you know, it's worth noting that there could be, you know, if it's if you're easily triggered by such a visceral interpretation of what happened in, inside terrorist acts and tragedies, you might have a, a very strong reaction inside this museum. So the outside memorial is free. Uh, the museum, because it is a private nonprofit, you cannot use your access pass or your, uh, your America, the beautiful pass through the national park service or your senior pass to get into it. It would have cost the five of us uh, close to $50. Yeah. It's to something go in. like 12, so, 12 yeah. something a person, uh, but for an adult, but really was a, a do not miss experience just to walk through the, the more memorial itself. Uh, and, and really was able to make us have a really visceral experience. Yeah. Even talking about it, I'm getting a little, um, a little emotional. I'm going to admit, like I can feel just sort of a little bit of a lump in my throat, like sort of talking about this again. You know, at the time that it happened, I was, I think, 15 years old and I don't have a lot of memories of in the moment that it happened. I do absolutely remember it being on our television. I don't have the memories of it in the way that I have the memories of 9-11. So to be able to go to the memorial and see it now as an adult through different eyes it it just it it really got me i don't know what more to say like at this point other than please go if yeah. you find yourself in oklahoma city yeah so we really enjoyed our experience in oklahoma city we spent a couple of weeks there 
there's so much more that we couldn't do there. The zoo is supposed to be amazing. There's another zoo, all kinds of stuff. And I really encourage you to stop and, and spend some time there and not just a day because I, I think it's really well worth visiting. There are RV parks right outside of town. Town is really easy to access because I-40 runs right through downtown. It can get a little bit backed up during the day. But, but at this point, we need to wrap this podcast up. Go feed our children some lunch. So Jason, you got a brain teaser for us? A firefighter is standing on the middle rung of a ladder, spraying water on a burning house. He climbs up six rungs before the heat of the flames causes him to come down 10 rungs. After a few minutes, he's able to climb 18 rungs to the very top of the ladder. How many rungs does the ladder have? We'll have the answer to that and a new brain teaser and, you know, some RVing stuff probably on next week's episode (laughs) of the RV Miles podcast. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, you know, we would be so very grateful for a five-star review on iTunes, or if you just shared us around your next campfire. And until next week, everyone have a fantastic week and keep logging those RV miles. Bye.